0: Our journey through Mark has taken us from the first day of Jesus' ministry to now the last day of his ministry as he shares a final meal with his disciples, a Passover supper. We find the story of this Passover supper in Mark 14, verses 12 through 26. Let me read it for you. It says, On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparation for you to eat the Passover? And so he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, say to the owner of the house he enters. The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparation for us there. The disciples left and went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. And so they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. And while they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you that one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one, they said to him, Surely not I. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread in the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread And gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. And then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine into that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Well, let's just pause for prayer. Dear Father, we thank you so very much for this story. And God, I thank you also for the lessons that are in it for us. And so God, I pray that you will speak through me and that our hearts and minds will be open to the truths that you have for us today. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Let me set the scene for you this morning. Hundreds of thousands of Jews had gathered in Jerusalem for the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Passover was one of the highlights of the Jewish calendar, like Christmas or Easter is to us. However, unlike Christmas and Easter, God had commanded the Israelites to observe the Passover. And so since the time of Moses, they had been observing the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread that followed it. And obviously from today's scripture, it was Jesus' desire to share this Passover supper that evening with his disciples. But his disciples were not aware that it would be the last meal he would share with them before his death. Mark's account of the Passover supper can be divided into three parts: the preparation for the Passover supper, Jesus' announcement of a Jewish of Judas' coming betrayal, and Jesus' introduction of the Lord's supper. And each part of that story has a lesson that Jesus wants us to learn as his disciples. We begin with the first part, the preparation for the Passover Supper. The, the lesson in this part of the story is that the Passover reminded Israel of the Passover lamb that was used to free them from Egyptian slavery. Notice that is exactly how today's scripture begins. Look again, Mark fourteen twelve through 16. On the first day... ...of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked, where do you want us to go and make preparation for you to eat the Passover? And so he sent two of his disciples, telling them, go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparation for us there. The disciples left and went into the city and found it just as Jesus had told them, and so they prepared the Passover. The Passover was not a simple meal. There were certain preparations that needed to be made. It would require a room large enough for Jesus and his 12 disciples to assemble. And it would require a lot of food preparation, especially an unblemished lamb that would have to be sacrificed and roasted. And so the disciples wanted to know where Jesus wanted them to make these preparations for the Passover. And so he sent two of his disciples, Peter and John, according to the book of Luke, They're sent in Jerusalem, and they're to follow this man with the water jar, which would have been an unusual sight back in that day, since it was usually women who carried the water jars. And they were to say to the owner of the house, if the man enters, the teacher asks, where's the guest room? Where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He would show them an upper room that was furnished and ready, And Peter and John made the preparation there. The disciples, they left, and they went in, and they found it exactly as Jesus had told them. I mean, it's simply amazing. I mean, we don't know whether Jesus had prior made arrangements with the owner for this guest room. Or maybe all of this was the miraculous working of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Regardless, the room is found, and Peter and John turn their attention to preparing for the Passover Supper. I believe it's important for us to understand the significance of this special meal. The first Passover Supper was held in Egypt when the Israelites were still enslaved to the Egyptians. To try to free them from that slavery, God had caused nine different plagues upon the Egyptians, from turning water into blood to causing total darkness in the land for three days. But the Egyptian Pharaoh would not let the Israelite people go free. And so the tenth plague, the tenth plague was going to be the death of the firstborn among the Egyptians, both people and their animals. To protect Israel from this plague, they were to prepare a meal, a Passover meal, of roasted lamb, bitter herbs, and bread made without any yeast. The lamb was to be a year-old male without any defects, and the blood of the lamb was to be put on the doorframe of the house. Thus, God would pass over that home and not bring about any destruction. This was God's way of sparing the Israelites from the death of the firstborn. It was also God's way of freeing Israel from Egyptian bondage. And every year from that point onward, Israel was to observe the Passover, reminding them of the Passover lamb that was used to free them from Egyptian slavery. As part of the Passover supper, even in Jesus' Jesus' day, that story was told and retold. God never wanted his people to forget how he freed them from slavery and eventually took them to their promised land of Canaan. That's the first part of the story, and the first lesson in that part is that the Passover reminded Israel of the Passover lamb that God used to free them from Egyptian slavery. That brings us to the second part of the Passover story, Jesus' announcement of Judas's coming betrayal. And the lesson in this part of the story is that the betrayal by Judas Iscariot reminds us of all the suffering that Jesus endured as our, Passover land. The sequence of the Passover supper would have gone something like this. A blessing was said over the first of four cups of wine. The host then cleaned his hands, and the middle of three loaves of unleavened bread is broken in two, and one of the halves of that loaf is hidden until later in the meal. Then the Passover story is told, usually read right out of the scriptures. There is a second glass of wine. Everyone else then cleans their hands, and bitter herbs were then eaten, reminding them of the bitterness of Egyptian slavery. Then the main course, the roast lamb, is served. A blessing is said after the meal, And the hidden half loaf is then brought to the table. It's broken into pieces for everyone to eat. There there is a third cup of wine. And then the group would sing a praise psalm. One of the praise psalms from Psalm 113 to 118, which again was just part of our Bible reading two weeks ago. And then finally there was a fourth cup of wine. It's interesting that the four cups of wine represented four promises that God made to the Israelites. I will bring you out is the first cup. I will free you from being slaves, the second cup. I will redeem you, which is the third cup. And then finally the last, I will take you as my own people. The Passover supper was intended to be a time of remembrance and rejoicing, But it is during the Passover supper in the upper room that night that Jesus shared the sad news that someone in the group was going to betray him. Probably at the point when they dipped their bread into the bitter herbs. Mark 14, verses 17 through 21 records it. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. And while they were reclining at the table eating... He said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who's eating with me. They were saddened one by one. They said to him, surely not I. It is one of the twelve, he replied, who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. The Apostle John told this part of the story much more personal. In John 13, verses 21 through 28, and he centers in on Judas Iscariot being the one who would betray Jesus. Here's how he recorded it. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to the disciples and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the dinner understood why Jesus said this to him. You know, there's a lot I could say about these verses. But I'd like to focus on what Jesus was feeling that evening as he shared this Passover supper with his disciples. John, who was sitting right next to Jesus, wrote that Jesus was troubled in spirit. One of his chosen disciples was going to betray him. The disciples had heard many surprising things from Jesus, but this news was one of the most surprising things that they had ever heard from him. And how that news must have hurt Jesus. I mean, Jesus had invested thirty-three plus years into Judas's life, and here he was going to betray him. And Judas would not turn back from this wicked plan. Even after Jesus lovingly gave him that final warning, but woe to the man who... who who betrays the Son of Man, it would be better for him if he had not been born. Jesus had not come to condemn people, but to save people. He had not come to to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. But Judas turned away from him. Plus, Jesus knew that night all the suffering that lay ahead for him. That this was just the beginning of the emotional trauma, the spiritual agony, and the physical pain that he would endure over the next 24 hours. That there was the spiritual struggle in the garden, the actual betrayal by Judas, the hurtful denial by Peter, the mock trial before the Jewish consul, the physical abuse by the soldiers, the useless trial before Pilate and Herod the cruel rejection by the Jewish crowd, the shameful mocking of the soldiers and the Jewish leaders, and finally, and finally, the painful death by crucifixion. No wonder Jesus was troubled that evening at the Passover supper. He was going to suffer much as our Passover lamb, much more than just seeing one of his disciples betray him. That's the second part of the story, and that's the second lesson. The the betrayal of of Judas Iscariot reminds us of all the suffering that Jesus endured as our Passover lamb. Which brings us to the third part of the Passover story. It is Jesus' introduction to the Lord's Supper. And the lesson in this part of the story is the Lord's Supper reminds us of our Passover lamb who God used to free us from sin slavery. Just as God had used the Passover lamb to free Israel from Egyptian slavery, God used Jesus, our Passover lamb, to free us from sin slavery. Listen how today's story ends, Mark fourteen, twenty-two through 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. And then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. And then they sang a a, a hymn, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. It is probably that half-hidden loaf that Jesus broke at this point in the Passover And he gave it to his disciples. But he gave a new meaning to this unleavened bread. He said, take it, this is my body. Luke's gospel recorded it just a little bit different. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus used the bread that evening to teach his disciples what he was about to do for them. He was going to lay down his life for them and their sin and on the cross. He did that. He laid down his life for us and our sin as well. Just as God never wanted Israel to forget how he had freed them from Egyptian bondage, Jesus never wants us to forget how we have been freed from sin slavery, and it was Jesus who freed us. He gave his life for us. Make it personal. God gave up his life for me and my sin. He gave up his life for you and your sin. I really don't like the styrofoam-like wafer in the pre-packaged communion that we've been using during this pandemic. But that wafer should always remind us of, of Jesus' body given for us on the cross. And the grape juice should always remind us of his blood that was shed for us. Jesus gave new meaning then to the third cup of wine at the Passover supper. He said, This is the cov- my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. In Matthew's gospel, he said a little more. He says, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It is through Jesus and his blood shed on the cross that our sins are forgiven. Back in Old Testament times, the Jews found forgiveness in making animal sacrifices, in the shedding of an animal's blood. But Jesus was making a new covenant with his blood so that we can find our forgiveness in him and his sacrifice, in him and his shedding of his blood. He is, as Paul described him, our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed for us. And it is when we put our faith in Jesus and his sacrifice that our sins are forgiven. And we can look forward to that day that Jesus promised that evening in the upper room. The day in his heavenly kingdom when Jesus would again drink again from the fruit of the vine i tell you, this will not be any ordinary Passover supper or Lord's Supper. It will be the marriage supper of the Lamb pictured in the closing chapters of Revelation. Now, just as there was certain sadness in the Passover supper, there is a certain sadness as we partake of the Lord's Supper. But just as there was a certain joy in Passover, there should also be a certain joy in communion. We have found forgiveness and salvation in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. The last thing that Jesus did that night in the Passover supper was they sang a song together, probably one again of the praise psalms. Maybe they sang the 118th psalm. It is a psalm about the Messiah, the promised Messiah, and its words should bring us joy. Psalm one eighteen fourteen 14 says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Verse 17 says, I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. And then verses 20 through 23 says, This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. As Christians, we have reason to rejoice because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's the third part of the Passover story, Jesus' introduction of the Lord's Supper And that part of the story has this lesson. The Lord's Supper reminds us of our Passover lamb who God used to free us from sin's slavery. Let me give just some quick practical applications as we close. Many of you who are listening on the radio are not going to be partaking of the Lord's Supper right now as we'll be doing in our church. But but let me give you some instructions here. Now, number one, whenever you partake of the Lord's Supper, remember that the bread is to remind you of Jesus' body sacrificed for you and your sin. It it represents his body. His body that was given for us. It was given for our sins. And and so we, we need never forget that. Number two, always remember that the grape juice is to remind you of Jesus' blood that was shed for you and your forgiveness. Again, it is the blood of a covenant, a new covenant, a covenant that can bring us forgiveness in Jesus. Now, not in making animal sacrifices, but Jesus has already made the sacrifice. And we need to remember that as we take the cup. And then last of all, joyfully look forward to the day when you will share with Jesus anew in his heavenly kingdom. And that's our prayer for each of you, that one day you will know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You will share not only in communion, but you will share in that marriage supper of the Lamb that's talked about in Revelation. Let's pray. Dear Father, again, we thank you so very much for your word. And we just pray that your word will speak to us. Always. And God, we've been challenged today when it comes to this special supper that you planned. The Passover supper was a special supper to remember what you did long ago for the Israelites in freeing them from Egyptian bonds. Oh, but this supper, the Lord's Supper, is to remind us of the sacrifice your Son made for us, that you might free us from sin slavery. And so today we're free and we rejoice because of it. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. We want to thank you all for listening and sharing with us this morning. And again, we want to pray that the Lord will bring blessing into your life in the week ahead. Again, it's been good to share with you. If there's some way that we can minister to you, don't hesitate to either give us a call or check us out on our website, paxtonchurchofchrist.org. We do pray God's blessing upon you in the week ahead. Take care. God bless.